Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and uh, we're continuing in a sermon series called One Another. Last or two weeks ago, when I was here, we preached uh, on loving one another, and then last week, Pastor Tom kicked it out of the park and uh, and preached on encouraging one another. And uh, one of the things that this this kind of came out of is that I started noticing as as our church our, our staff has been reading through the New Testament together as a community. We've been discussing it and going through it over this past summer that, uh, that there's one term that just kept, kept sticking out to me over and over and over again, and it is the term one another. It's used about 100 times in the New Testament. About, uh, it's found in almost every single letter to the early church that we find in the New Testament, and about 50 of those 100 times, uh, the word, the term one another is given as a specific instruction to the followers of Jesus, specifically. And so we kind of, I've, I've listed a whole bunch of them. So we did love one another, encourage one another, there's restore one another, accept one another, honor one another, submit to one another, serve one another, bear with one another, carry one another's burdens, pray for one another. And my favorite listed four times, greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> I, I, maybe you could do that to your husband or to your wife. I would highly suggest not trying that with a random person. Uh, you'd be probably labeled as a creeper. Um, greet one another as a holy, with a holy kiss. But it's this repetition that we find. This whole idea of one another, one another, one another, that we find this instruction for how God views his church to look like. This whole idea of one anothering each other is time and time again repeated. Essentially, God is saying, that which I have done for you, do that for one another. So if, I, if I've loved you, then, then love one another. If I've forgiven you, then forgive one another. If I've encouraged you, then encourage one another, right? If I've accepted you, then, then accept one another. Time and time again, Jesus is just asking us to do for one another that which he so freely has given us. Amen? And so uh, as we journey together in this, uh, in this sermon series, but more, more than that, as we journey together to build and to become a church-like family, I really truly believe that, that this series that we're going through right now is culture-defining for New Life Church. And I want us to really be paying attention to what it is that um, God is sharing through the, these whole one another's, because I believe that it will characterize what church-like family looks like. For some of us, when even when I say, like, God's building a church-like family, for some of you, you're like, yes, that sounds great, and, I, and, I, and my heart leaps towards that. And for some of you, you're like, I don't want a church that looks like my family, right? <laughs> like, I'll pass. I'll pass on that. In fact, I'm going to find another church that doesn't look like my family. It, that's dysfunction, and that's that, there is hurt, and there's pain associated with that whole idea. And so... The importance is, is that as we go through these one another's, it will paint a picture and characterize and define and put feet to what church-like family looks like, what it should look like, no matter what your earthly family looks like. Church-like family. And so, as I was studying this week, where uh, I, was, I was thinking about anger, and um, how many of you would admit that you got, you've been angry this past week? Just it's okay. Like, it may, you know, maybe someone cut you off in traffic. 
something didn't happen the way that you thought it should, you know, someone didn't follow through the way that they said they would, or your Wi-Fi was slow, you started chucking things, like, I don't know what, I don't know what it is for you, but the reality is, is that we, uh, we all have many opportunities to get angry. As I was literally writing this message on Wednesday, I was, I was in my, my home office, and I was, I was writing and studying and, and just praying. Here, here, here's the thing. I, I really believe that my dog is used by Satan. I, if you, listen, I, I'd love to talk to you after, after service because I, I really believe this, that he is a, he is a minion uh, used to, to do Satan's bidding. Um, sometimes he's sweet, but um, other times I'm like, I'm pretty sure Satan's using this dog. So I'm literally writing about this, and I'm talking, and I'm writing about anger. I'm literally typing these, and I'm hearing this noise outside. What in the world is that? And I'm like, he's up to no good. I, I go outside. He, uh, he was outside, and he was chasing a, uh, a chipmunk, and the chipmunk ran uh, under my car, and I think he went up in my wheel well. So my dog thought that the best way to get at that chipmunk was to rip my mud flap off of my car. <laughs> oh, I was livid. Like, I was, I'm sure my entire neighborhood heard me yelling at my dog in the love of Jesus. Like, I, I came unglued. I was like, ooh, I mean, like, I talk, when talk about anger, like, uh, it takes, usually takes a lot, but, um, but that, that really got me pretty good. Um, and I'm literally writing about anger as, as this thing happens. The reality is that we have a lot of opportunities. If you have kids, if you are married, if, you have, uh, if you're not a hermit and you live around other people, if you work with other people, you have a lot of opportunity to get angry, a lot of opportunity to, uh, to, to need to forgive other people. And as I look at our American culture right now, man, we could be characterized as very angry people right? It used to be something that was kind of this boiling rage that was under the surface, and now it's just give me a stinking reason. I would love to fly off the handle at anything. Just give me something that I can run after, and I'll do it. And we live in a world where anything and everything offends us. We seem to actually unite over what divides us anymore. And as I look even at our, at our culture, Christian or otherwise, we, we've got a problem. I mean, I remember maybe some of you will remember this, when social media was used as a tool to keep in touch with people that you didn't get to see very often. Remember that? Wow, that was a long time ago, huh? Yeah. I remember when it was used to, like, talk to people that you didn't see and you wanted to. Man, I, I, I can't remember the last time that I really saw that in action. Um, now it seems to be a megaphone for any gripe or outing someone publicly or a complaint or any, any rant of any flavor. We, we, we've kind of changed. A lot, of, a lot of stuff has changed. We have this, this anger that, that, that boils up in us. And I, and I was thinking about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. This is, what it, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in God forgave you, which brings us to this week's one another, which is forgive one another. Now, forgiveness is kind of a funny thing. 
Because for some of you, you're like, I love this. I love when, when, when pastors talk about forgiveness, man. And for some of you, you're like, I wish he was just talking about money. Really, because that's better than forgiveness. I really don't want to hear or be browbeaten or I, wanna, I don't want to have to think about all this kind of stuff. C.S. Lewis made this really, maybe you've heard of him. He made a really good remark. He says this, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Let me say that again. Everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Isn't that true? I love the idea of forgiveness. I love the idea that I, I've been forgiven, that I am forgiven, that Jesus has forgiven me um, until I have something to forgive. And then all of a sudden, I really don't want to hear too much about that. You just change the subject, that'd be real, real sweet. We could just change the channel. I'd be fine with that. Forgiveness is, is kind of a, um, a difficult thing for, for many of us to, uh, to wrap our hearts and our minds around. And um, so I want to read the scripture to you as we talk about one anothering each other. In Matthew chapter 18, if you'd stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word and buckle up, buckle up. And uh, we're going to read this together. And starting in verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked this question that I think many of us want to ask Jesus. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but, but 77 times. Therefore, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees, and maybe this will sound familiar to you. He said, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and, and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Lord Jesus, uh, there are many things that, um, that I wish you didn't say. There are portions of scripture that I just have a really hard time stomaching and don't necessarily have a box to put them in. There are many things that, that you preach about Jesus that I, um, I, really, my heart disagrees with. And Lord, I pray that as we get into your word and we talk about one anothering each other, specifically today about the, this whole idea of forgiving one another, that you would bring wisdom and revelation to us today, that the end goal of everything that you have for us is 
for our growth and for your glory. Speak to us, reveal your heart to us so that we might be free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, thanks. So um, this is one of those scriptures that it's like, yikes, does he really mean that? And is this really where, where we're going? And many times I'll, I'll read portions of scripture like this from Jesus and I think, man, does he live in another world? Like this seems to go against what I know and how, how the world works. And, and he's asking me to do something that just really doesn't make too much sense to me. The first point is this, if you're taking notes, you've got them on the other side of your announcements or on nlc.today, is this, it is shocking how seriously God takes the issue of forgiveness. It is shocking. Like if you're not shocked by what we just read, you're not paying attention. It's absolutely shocking because when Jesus talks about forgiveness, like he commands it. Forgiving isn't just like an optional part of the Christian life. It's a necessary part of of what it means to be a Christian. And that that in and of itself is is a difficult thing. It's kind of what C.S. Lewis said. Forgiveness sounds like a really great thing until we have something to forgive. So let's walk down through this story together. It starts out with a really odd conversation starter from Peter, which if you know anything about Peter, he's... I love him because he says what we're all thinking, but we would never say out loud. He asks questions just exactly the way that we would if we had the guts to ask Jesus. And this is what he says. He starts out in Matthew 18, 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asks this question. Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister uh, who sins against me? I'll pause here just for a second. Think about this. You know that Peter had something going on with one of the other disciples when he asked Jesus this question. Nobody asks this question unless they are at their wits end with somebody. You know, he just came out of an argument with John and he's like, Lord, I've got a real, very distinct question here. How many times do I have to forgive him? In other words, he's probably thinking, Jesus, I hate John. He's a butt kisser, and he's annoying, and he's always wanting to race me everywhere we go because it's the only thing he can beat me at. (laughs) At what point can I kill him? That's the real question. And here's the thing. You're like, wow, that was a little rough. No, no, no. You know Peter was packing heat because just a few chapters later, he takes out a sword. Where did that come from? And he he cuts off Malchus's ear. Dude was packing heat, I don't know, probably the whole time. And he wasn't aiming to cut off an ear. He was aiming to lop off a head. So you know Peter had a little bit of problem with maybe some hot-headedness. No pun intended. Um, And and, and was was packing heat. So he's at the point of frustration, I'm thinking. Because he's probably like you and like me. He probably had someone in mind when he asked Jesus this question. So he offers Jesus an answer. Don't you love it when people do that, when they ask you a question and they already have an answer ready for you? He's like, uh, how many times do, do I have to forgive uh, my brother or my sister? And then he follows it up right away before Jesus can even answer. Up to seven? Up to seven? That sounds like a, how about up to seven times, Jesus? That sounds like a heavenly number, like a magic number, right? Seven times sounds really good. And by the way, John just did stupid for the seventh time. 
So I would love if up to seven would be the point I can kill him, right? Like, can we do that? Can we just say that seven times would be good? And some translations say, uh, Jesus responds, he says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Other translations say, well, well, 70 times seven times, or like, so it's not 77, it's 490 times. I like the 77 times. Some of you are like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Either way, here's the point. Nobody likes Jesus' answer here. I don't think Peter liked it. I, I, I don't like it. Why? Because Jesus didn't respond the way that I think he should have. Like, I kind of think, I mean, if I'm not God, but if I were, I kind of think that I would ask a qualifying question to Peter which would be this. Uh, well, Peter, that kind of depends on what they did to you. How many times are they supposed to, to, to forgive? Well, let me, let me hear a little bit about what, what John did and how many times he did it, and then I'll give you an answer, Peter. But Jesus doesn't say that. In fact, it doesn't even look like Jesus even cares to know what, what's going on. And that angers me. It angers me because I really think that, that that should make a little bit of a difference in here because I tend to think like Peter. If I have to forgive you, because the Bible says, and because Jesus keeps saying it, if I have to forgive you, then what? I'll give you seven times and then you're dead to me. Like, how about up to seven? Is that good? That's probably Christian enough, right? Seven times is good enough. And Jesus doesn't answer the way that I think he should. And what I realize is that when it comes to forgiveness, I'm like Peter. I want to make it all about what they've done to me. But Jesus knows that forgiveness is all about me being free. No matter how many times it's happened, he's all about me being free. See, God never created you to be a container for hatred. And we find this out pretty quickly when we harbor resentment and and, and, and unforgiveness and all of that, it comes out sideways. It comes out in high blood pressure. It comes out in, in uh, insomnia. It comes out in anxiety. It comes out in all these other ways. Why? Because God never created you to be a container for hatred. It's unnatural in his, in his view of things. In fact, he looks at it as a hindrance to you, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So when he says, like, I want you to walk in forgiveness, it's actually for your good, for your best. So he's not going to ask the question, well, you can only forgive this many times, and then you can feel free to harbor that resentment and, and guilt or, or kill him. You can do either one of those. Jesus looks at it very diff differently. Number two is this. It is shocking. It is shocking how differently Jesus settles accounts than we do. Shocking. This story, Jesus answers Peter's question and not the way that Peter wanted. And then he immediately, catch this, in verse 23, he doesn't even skip a beat. He goes into telling a story. He goes automatically, goes from, no, I tell you, not, not, not seven times, but 77 times, or seven times, 70 times. Therefore, verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this next verse. 
pay close attention to what the servant asks for. He says, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. So the servant asks for more time. Just give me more time. Just, give, just be patient with me. I'll pay back all that I owe. But look at how the master responds. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Isn't that just like God? To, to do abundantly, exceedingly more than you can ever hope, ask, or even imagine. You come in to, 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 to Jesus saying, I, I, know, I know that I'm a sinner, and, and I'll pay back everything that, that, that I've done. I'll, 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 make it, I'll make up for it with a bunch of good deeds, and I'll make up for all my bad stuff, and I'll do good, and, I, and I'll go to church every week, and I'll, I'll give you this, and I'll do that. And Jesus just looks and says, I'm going to cancel your debt. Why? Because part of him knows that there's not enough good deeds that can out, outweigh the bad that has been done. So I'll cancel your debt. Essentially, in this story, the servant owed the master an equivalent, because not many of us have 10,000 bags of gold laying around. Um, it's about $12 million. Some people estimate that it would be more than that. I think conservative, conservatively is $12 million, which is more than I have. Um, $12 million. And rather than putting this guy on a payment plan, he canceled the debt. Isn't that just like God? That's exactly what he does for you and for me. He doesn't put us, when we become Christians, he doesn't put us on a payment plan of good deeds to pay back what we owe. Because he knows that it's too great for you to ever work it off. He just says, I'm canceling your debt. And what he's most concerned about is that you would now take what has been freely given to you and give it away to others. Because this is the problem that, that Jesus or the master has with the servant. Number three, it's this, that it is shocking how petty God views unforgiveness. Like, I kind of think that I've got some reasons why I should not forgive someone. And, and Jesus looks at it as so petty. Verse 28, he says this, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants and who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Sounds very similar. Be patient with me. I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, right? And went and told their master everything that had happened. Essentially, I want you to capture this because Jesus kind of brings this hyperbole up for us to see the inequity of, of what, what, what's happening in this uh, servant's life. This servant has been forgiven up to around $12 million. And then he goes to his fellow servant and starts choking him for what would be equivalent to be about 17 bucks. So you've been forgiven $12 million and you're choking a dude for 17 bucks. And Jesus makes this for a purpose and for, for a reason. He, he doesn't just throw out these, these numbers just indiscriminately. He wants us to see how much we've been forgiven and how petty it is when we don't forgive. 
And he shows this, he shows this to me, how often I want to receive grace for myself and yet dole out justice for others. Like how often I, I want people to deal with me based upon my intentions and yet I want to deal with other people based upon their actions alone. There's this, there's this struggle that I think we all live within of this servant here in the story. And Jesus continues in verse 32. The master called the servant in and he doesn't mince words. He says, you wicked servant. Wicked? You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Like not only is Jesus reminding us that unforgiveness is petty, but he's reminding us number four is this. We must remember that God loves our offender as much as he loves us. And if I were to say like, Maybe you've agreed or disagreed with me so far as I've talked about what Jesus says about forgiveness. But I would say this. I think at this point is the crux for us in walking towards forgiveness in our life. Is that realization that Jesus loves my offender as much as he loves me. This is really difficult. This, this for me, like, it's, it's incredibly difficult. Why? Because let's, let's be honest, like, the people that have offended me are idiots. How in the world, how in the world could Jesus love them like he loves me? I mean, there's, there's absolutely no way. This is a very difficult thing for me to do. And it's very difficult. Why? Because I like, in my story, I like always portray myself as the good guy. I, I think you probably do the same, right? Not many people portray themselves as the bad guy in their own narrative right? I am always the good guy in my narrative. Either I'm a, the good guy that's a victim or I'm a good guy that was the hero. I'm never the bad guy in this. I may be misunderstood, but I'm the good guy in this, in, in all of my stories, in all of my narratives, in, in, in my life, I like to portray and think of myself as the good guy, always. You ever think about that? We don't like to see ourselves in another light. In fact, we'll even compensate for it and say, well, I did say that, yes, but you should know my heart. Or, yeah, you know what, I did do that, but compared to what you did, I'm Mother Stinking Teresa, right? Like, so back off, because I'm the good guy, remember? And you're, remember, you're the bad guy, and so you stick to the bad guy stuff, and I'll do good guy hero stuff, because... Unforgiveness can really keep us locked up in this kind of what I call the martyr syndrome where, where we're always the good guy, the victim, or the hero in our story. And it's very difficult when we're, when we're rehearsing the hurt to see the blind spots in our own life, the things that, that, we, need to, that we need to own. And so I, just for a moment, I, I just love for you to just, and it's probably already come up to you, but ask the Lord to reveal someone that you have a hard time forgiving. Lord, I pray you just, you just reveal someone. And for some of you, you're like, hold on, I got a book. Well, let me go through, right? Just focus on one. Lord, who is it that you just, that is before me right now that your Holy Spirit is leading? 
that I'm having a hard time forgiving right now, that I'm struggling in. And for some of us, you know, it's not hard to think about because we were just thinking about them. Maybe you were up last night thinking about them. And we do this thing when we're walking in unforgiveness where we, I call it rehearsing the hurt, where you kind of, and you've done this before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It, you, you, it's when you lie in bed rehashing the conversation or the wound or the offense. Yeah, ever done this before? Where, where you're kind of like, it's, it's where you have dreams. And in your dream, you're saying all the things that you should or could or would have said in that situation. And usually in your dream, you have all of your friends around you, and they're like, yeah, yeah, kill him, kill him. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And you got every good, good response, and you know exactly how to re retort everything. And the other person on the other side is just saying, I am so sorry. We rehash all the things that, 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 that we know that happened, and adding a little bit more into it. Essentially, I've done this before where you just kind of keep rehearsing the hurt so much that, that you have been totally deceived all the while thinking that you've been enlightened. You figured out all the reasons, the hidden motives, the devious, horrible intentions of why they did and who they said and what they did and why and who and what and where and essentially being counseled by the devil and not even knowing it. And how do I know this? Because you, you start to believe these lies and they start to come out of your mouth or at least maybe you don't say them out loud but you think them and they usually go something like this. I am the only one who does that work. I am, I am the only one who cares. I always, they never Because all forgiveness begins with devaluing someone. When we, when we choose to walk in unforgiveness, it really begins and has a stronghold in us when we begin to devalue someone. Let me explain this to you. If I can devalue my offender, then I can convince myself that it's okay for me to harbor bitterness, resentment, and, not, and unforgiveness towards them. If I can just devalue you, I know you've, you've, done, you've done that to me. If I can just take your humanity out of this and devalue you, then I don't have to love you or respect you or anything like that. And I, was, I was thinking and praying through this this week, and man, I, it, it was rough for me to even, even go through and to preach this as God is just bringing things up in my, my own heart. You know, like, and one thing I, I wanted to ask is this. How many, of, how many of you have ever hurt someone? Raise your hand. Just if you hurt someone. Okay. It should be mostly all of us, unless you are a super, super good guy in your story. <laughs> You're a superhero good guy, right? We've all hurt someone. And it was this realization. Do you realize that there may be people that need to hear this sermon because of what you've done to them? When I was considering that, I was like, whoa, I'm the good guy. What? I don't want to think about that. But there's a reality in this, that there are some people that need to hear this message because of what I've done to them. Number five is this, in his kingdom, God will give you as much grace 
is you'll give away. In God's kingdom, God will give you as much grace as you will give away. I love this scripture in Mark chapter 11. And I'll start reading it to you. And, and for many of you, you're like, this is a great scripture. I love this. Verse 23, Mark chapter 11. Jesus' Jesus' words, he says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that they, what, what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I mean, this put this on a mug and sell it, because I'm telling you what, those two verses chucking mountains and getting everything I ask for, that is a gospel I want to follow. Oh, come on, right? I get to chuck mountains. I get to, I get to everything I ask for in prayer, I get to, I get to receive. And then Jesus goes ahead and, and closes it with, with, with verse 25 and totally messes it up. Essentially, he takes something that has nothing to do with chucking mountains and get everything I ask for and puts it right after verse 23 and verse 24. He connects these two things, and for a long time, I'm like, what in the world are you thinking? This is what he says in verse 25, that immediately after you get everything you ask for, he says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Jesus, tell me more about chucking mountains and getting everything I ask for. I don't understand what... What does my unforgiveness with people have to do with anything? Like, my relationship with you, God, and my faith in you, and, 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 and speaking to mountains, and seeing them move, and doing all those things, I don't understand why all of a sudden you're talking about other people. Like, what does my unforgiveness have to do with you and me? Apparently a whole lot more than I think. There's nothing, there's something that happens that is supernatural when we choose to forgive. I want you to see that, that like there's just in the same way that you speak to the mountain and see it move and in the same way that you ask for things in prayer and God grants them to you, there is something supernatural that happens when we choose to walk in forgiveness. He brings freedom in our life that we never knew we could receive and to walk in. It's supernatural. According to Jesus, when we forgive, it frees us up in our relationship with God. This is the words of Jesus. He's like, look, uh, you will receive to the, to the degree that you give away when it comes to grace, when it comes to forgiveness in your own life. Like there's a connection. We don't talk about this a lot, but there's a connection between how we treat one another and how God treats us. We see this time and time and time again. And it's certainly not something that I like to be confronted with. I like to, I'm a good man. I like to compartmentalize things. I got me and Jesus and you just shut up, and then I'll do my thing over here with you if I want to, and if you're nice. But like, apart from that, just, if you just be quiet, so we could just do my Jesus and me thing, and yet continually we find time and time and time again that we're, we're supposed to be one anothering each other, and that it actually holds a key to freedom in our life. Look at what happens to this servant who wouldn't want another. Verse 34, he says, it says, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This, this is, this is, this is crazy to me because essentially 
he was free. But he was canceling out his freedom because he stopped the flow of forgiveness through his life. He, he, he literally, through his own inaction of taking what he had, been, he had received for free and refusing to give that away freely, actually stopped the flow of freedom in his own life. He stopped one anothering, and it hindered his own freedom. And I, can I just tell you, I just, I just wish that the church of Jesus Christ would see this clearly. It messes up. It messes you up a little bit because it's, it makes it very difficult to compartmentalize our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And I say this to you as your pastor. We forgive because God requires it and because you need it. The whole reason that God talks about this time and time and time again of forgiving one another, forgiving one another, forgiving one another is not because they deserve it. It's not because they even said they're sorry. It's because you need it. There's a level of freedom that God is wanting to bring you to through forgiveness. And sometimes I, I wonder, like, uh, sometimes I wonder if this whole forgiveness thing that we see time and time again throughout Scripture is really like a test of maturity in the Christian life. I, I, I look at it, and, and time and time again, I think Jesus is always wondering this question when he's looking to promote us and to grow us. What are you going to do with power and authority in your life? Like, just take this servant, for example. When he was in a place of weakness, he owed $12 million and he couldn't pay it back. He, was, he had no problem asking and petitioning and begging for forgiveness and, and saying, I'll, I'll pay it back, I'll try, I'll do more, and all those types of things. But as soon as he has a position of power and authority, he was unwilling to give that which was freely given to him. I, and as we look at how God grows us and promotes us and matures us, he promotes us when he sees that we don't use a position of power to wield as a sword, but that we wield it as a servant. That, that God promotes us when we don't get intoxicated by insight or information about other people, that he promotes us when we choose to forgive just as Christ forgave us, when we choose to one another each other in the same way that God treats you. That's how God looks at promoting. So I want to I ask this question. I want to leave you guys with this, is that we, we often have this question, what is forgiveness? Like, what does it look like? Because I think I've said it before. I think I've done it before. And yet, I don't want to see them or talk to them. <laughs> uh, I, they're forgiven. And, uh, and it's kind of, we, we don't quite understand what forgiveness looks like. So I want to talk really quickly about what forgiveness is not. I think it's important for us to know what it's not so that we can know what it is. Because there's a lot of like misconceptions and misteachings about what, what forgiveness is, what it looks like. And I want to just run through these. I've made like a top 10. It's not going to be up on the screen, but if you want to take notes, you can. Um, the top 10 of what forgiveness is not. This is significant as you choose to trust Jesus in forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin that has been committed against you. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is not approving of 
or diminishing sin that has been committed against you. You know, a lot of times people think, well, if I forgive them, then I have to just act like it didn't happen, or I'm just diminishing it and be like, it's okay, it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Offenses rise, things happen. For some of us, grievous sins have, have been committed, committed against us, and we're in this place of like, no, I'm not going dis- to dismiss it or diminish it or act like it didn't happen. Sometimes forgiveness is actually recognizing what that person owes us and the destruction that it causes for many of us, we, we walk through life when we're walking in unforgiveness. We just got resentment and bitterness and all those things rolling around on the inside of us. Maybe forgiveness is actually saying, I am identifying what this person stole from me, what they owe me, so that I can be free. So that I can walk free. Not allowing the past to continue to rob me of my future. Number two, forgiveness is not that I can no longer confront them. Sometimes people think, well, if I forgive them, then I can't ever, like, go to them and say, hey, you hurt me, or this, this hurt me, or whatever. No, 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 no. Sometimes forgiveness is confronting. No, God never says, well, if you, if you forgive them, then you can never talk about it again. You can never bring it up. You can never, you know, explain to that person or confront them about what they've done if they are unaware. Forgiveness is not that you can't confront them anymore. Number three is this. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, you may never get an I'm sorry to. You know that? My, um, sometimes my wife and I will get into a spat, and um, usually it's because she's overreacting. And uh, <laughs> I don't, that wasn't a joke. Um, <laughs> men, come on, come on. It's real. It's real. And, uh, you know, there are many times where, uh, you know, I don't like it when we're not in communication together. And so I will tend to be the first person to go and to make amends. Right? I, I'll take the first step. And because I'm godly. And uh, <laughs> look, I got the mic, so it's all good. <laughs> So I'll go in, and uh, she's overreacting, you know, and she's, I'll go in, I'll be like, hey, babe, listen, listen, I, I just want you to know, I'm, I'm really sorry that, um, you know, this happened. And uh, really what I'm saying is this, babe, I'm, I'm really sorry that you overreacted. <laughs> and uh, I was going to give you an opportunity to say something. I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. You were going to say, what? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, so- I'm sorry. You were going to say, I'm sorry to, no. Listen, there are sometimes you won't get it, I'm sorry too. And if you've been married for any period of time, you realize there are sometimes you don't get and I'm sorry too. Even when they should have. Um, <clears throat> you know, But there's this reality. If you're waiting, if you think forgiveness is all about waiting for an apology, you could be waiting a very long time. In fact, there are many people, some family members, that literally go to their deathbeds, never reconciling, never walking in any sort of forgiveness because they're waiting for the other person to give an apology for something that happened 25 years ago that neither of them remember what happened. Well, they know. Well, well, she knows. We actually don't. We just know that we know that we're not talking. So, so forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Number four, uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that uh, there's no punishment or consequences. 
doesn't mean that you're letting somebody off the hook uh, to legal matters. I can forgive you and you may still go to jail if it's against the law, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that there's no punishment or consequences. And the reality is, is that uh, vengeance is the Lord's. And so when we release somebody, we're releasing them over to God. Saying, God, I'm, I'm no longer going to allow their stupid to hang over me change me and to cause me to operate differently in my relationships and my marriage with my kids and all of those things. So it doesn't mean that there's no punishment or consequences. Justice ultimately comes through Jesus. Number five, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. There was a thing going around like, I don't know, I feel like in the 90s where the church was always saying like, well, you just need to forgive and forget. And I remember this when I was first, first got saved. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I have not been given this spiritual gift of amnesia. Like, what? Forgive and forget? Like, I don't understand how this works. Like, I cannot literally, I'm good, I'm, I'm a guy. Like I said, I can compartmentalize, but I can't just forget periods of time. That's actually not good, right? Like, you, you, well, I just, I just forgive and forget. No, 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 that's not exactly what, at all, what, what God calls us to. Sometimes forgiving is remembering. So, so forgiveness is not a spiritual gift of, of amnesia. It's not just forgetting it. Number six, forgiveness is not a one-time event. And we know this to be true. For those of you who have come down and prayed and, and said, Lord, I forgive this person, you find that like, man, I forgive them, but I just don't ever want to see their ugly mug ever again. I forgive them, just don't mention their name in my presence. They are the one that, who shall not be named, right? They are forgiven by the blood, right? And so, like, just don't talk about them because why? Because they're forgiven, so shut up, right? And we have this, we have this thing, well, like, oh, well, it's a one-time event. I already did that. I said it. What else do I have to do? So don't talk about them. I don't, I don't want to see them. They're forgiven. It's not a one-time event. Sometimes it's a, it's a conscious decision that has to happen over and over again. And that's okay. Number seven is this. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. A lot of times people are like, well, if I forgive them, then we have to be like best friends again? Like we have to hold hands everywhere we go? Do I have to get a BFF necklace again? Right? Is that, is that what forgiveness looks like? We have to, I, I have to go back to the way things were? No, the reality is, is that forgiveness is not reconciliation. There are sometimes people in our lives that are either abusive or toxic that, that God is not promoting for you to just walk in relationship with. It's not reconciliation. It takes one person to forgive and it takes two people to reconcile. That's the only way that that thing happens. But if it doesn't work out, make sure it's your fault and not theirs. You, 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 you do your part. Walk in forgiveness. But unless there is both repentance by the guilty party and forgiveness by the victim, then there can be no reconciliation. So no, you don't have to just get BFF necklaces just because you walk in forgiveness. Number, uh, number eight, forgiveness does not mean that you need to be a doormat. Sometimes people think, well, if I forgive them, then that means I just need to like, act like it never happened and just allow them to continually do it. And, and you're like, yeah, because I like what Peter's question was. Like, how many times do I have to forgive them? Like, seven? Because seven sounds like a good one because I'm about done with this person, right? But forgiveness does not mean that you need to be a doormat. 
I'll talk to people and real hard situations. It's like, hey, um, look, my, my father molested me and, and I forgave him. Does that mean that I need to allow him to watch my children? No. No. Uh, my, my boyfriend abused me and um, I forgave him. Does that mean we need to act like, every, like everything's fine and nothing happened? Nope. Nope, that's, that's actually not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about forgiveness. You don't need to be a doormat. You don't lose your right to protect yourself. Does that make sense? That's not what he's promoting. Number nine, forgiveness is not a feeling. Um, I, I don't think I have ever, and maybe this will help you and put you at rest, I don't think I've ever sat on my own and had this overwhelming, ooey-gooey, ushy feeling to forgive somebody who hurt me. I've never been like, my gosh, I just, I just can't help, but my heart is leaping to forgive that person who mistreated me and abused me and talked about me behind my back. I mean, I can't, I, I just, I can't help myself. I've just got this feeling that rises up on the inside of me of just, I just want to forgive them. I, that's never really happened to me. So if it's happened to you, you're awesome. You, you're awesome, but forgiveness isn't a feeling. And if you're waiting for the feeling, you could be waiting a very long time. Forgiveness is a choice, a choice to walk in. The last one is this. Forgiveness doesn't mean that they are right. It just mean, makes you free. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. It just makes you free. And this is the heartbeat of what it is that God is trying to communicate when he talks about forgive one another. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. Just as I have forgiven you. It's not about that they're right and they, they deserve it and why they're sorry and they may not be. It is about you being free. And Jesus continually brings this up to us, that this has less to do with what they've done to you and more to do with, with freedom, that you're no longer going to allow the stupid of your past, things that have been done to you to dictate your present and your future has everything to do with your freedom. And then Jesus closes this story because I, I think that we have, and, and, and if we could just be real people here for a second, not Christian people in a church, but like real people, we have this question when it comes to forgiveness. What is it? Like I did it, right? I said it. I, what, what else am I supposed to do? I, I don't know if you've ever wrestled with this. Maybe you don't talk about it. Maybe you don't say anything to anyone about it. But there's a real question on the inside of us like, I think I already did it. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I've done it because I keep hearing sermons like this and I'm like, oh, I'm still angry at that person. Like, have I done it? Did I do it? What is it? And it's this last verse in verse 35 that I really think it's an odd statement that Jesus says that I think helps us understand what it is that he's talking about. Verse 35, he says this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister and these last three words, from your heart. And as I first read this, I was like, uh, what does this have to do with anything? Like, I thought we were talking about 17 bucks. I thought we were talking about like, okay, fine, you don't owe me 17 bucks. Can I get out of jail? Like, I, and all of a sudden, he's like, 
talking about ooey gooey heart stuff like you need to forgive him from your heart how about I just say you don't owe me 17 bucks and we can be done with this thing and he's like no I'm actually more concerned about you forgiving from your heart which begs the question what in the world does that mean like, I'm like, okay, forgive. I can get that. And Pastor Justin's talking about it. I'm like, I know what it's not. And it doesn't mean that they're off the hook. So I'm just going to do it. I'll forgive whatever you need me to do. Hocus pocus, I'll do it, right? But he says forgive from the heart, which totally complicates everything. Because I'm like, okay, great. Now we're bringing the heart into it. And I don't even know what's going on in my heart because I really am still angry at different things. And forgive from your heart. Number six is this. We must forgive from our heart. What does this mean? And I was wrestling with it this week. I was praying through this, and, and really and truly, I'm like, Lord, what does that really mean? Because I have those questions in my own heart. Like, I know I've forgiven this guy, but I don't know if I've done it from my heart. Like, I've done it because you told me to. I've done it because it's right. I've done it because I want freedom, but like, I don't know if that's truly what I've done because I still struggle with pain in that area. And the Lord led me to the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. I'd love for you to, to just hunker down in this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. And it's one of those equally weird scriptures where Jesus just talks about like he's from another world, like it doesn't even make sense. He says this, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. What? Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? And then it hit me. The four things that he tells us to do to people that definitely have hurt us. Love, bless, do good to, and pray for. Love, bless, do good to, and pray for. And I think, I think that looks a lot like forgiveness from the heart. And so I want to challenge you today to ask the Lord, God, who are you revealing to me that I just know that I'm struggling with? And just pick one. <laughs> just stick to one. Who is it that I just, I, I just know that is hindering my walk, my freedom level with you? Who's holding that back in my life? Who has the power to hold me back from my level of freedom? And then love, bless, do good to, and pray for them. And for some of you right now, I, I can feel it in this room. You're like, no. For some of us, it's like the whole, I could do maybe one of those, but like love and do good to ain't nothing, ain't that never happened in Pastor Justin. Like you don't understand what's been done and what's happened. And here's the reality. As, as I talk about this today, for some of us, it's like, yeah, you know what? I've got a fence against a brother or sister that has done something and I really need to walk by this. I have, I have to have a conversation with them. For some of you in here, that hurt is so grievous that happened to you so long ago it is unforgivable it, it's unfathomable if you sat down with me and told me your story uh, I would probably cry that this happened 
And what Jesus is saying and teaching us through forgiveness, he is not diminishing it or saying that it doesn't matter. He's saying, in forgiveness, you release that which held such huge power over you that it holds no power over your current relationships, over your current marriage, your parenting, all of those things. I want you to walk in the freedom of forgiveness. And for maybe for some of you today, you're like, I can't, I'm not at the place right now, Pastor Justin, where I can love and, and do good to. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe today you'd be, it would be a day where you say, I'm going to pray blessing over them. I'm choosing to walk in what it is that Jesus says in Matthew ch chapter 5, verse 44. And whether I, I, I don't really feel it, I'm going to choose to walk in obedience to it and pray forgiveness and, and pray blessing over them. And my point is this, if you, if you read that, the, the last point in your notes is this, that praying blessing forces forgiveness out of your head and into your heart. So when we talk about forgiving from the heart, as we pray blessing over someone who has hurt us, it forces it to go from our head, I think I've done it, I think I've, I, I said it, to our heart. And you're like, well, Pastor Justin, like, hold on a second. Are you telling me that I need to, to forgive and, and to pray blessing over that person who cheated on me, over that person who, who stole all my money or abused me or lied about me or got me fired? And the words of Jesus is this, yes. And Jesus says that you'll never be fully healed until you walk in it. it. Has less to do with what they've done to you. Has everything to do with God wanting you free. He wants you free. Free from the stuff that has been done against you. It doesn't make them right. It just makes you free. You stand with me. Um, we got the praise team come on up. I want to pray with you as we leave today, as we enter into this, this last worship song. If maybe for some of you in here, I just, just between you and God right now, if there's someone in your life or an issue, a past hurt or whatever that God just keeps bringing up to you, I just, between you and God, you just lift your hand up real quick. You can just lift it up and say, yep, I'm identifying something right now that I feel like God is, is pointing out to me. I, I feel like there's something that I'm, I'm wanting to, to deal with today. Just raise your hand. Okay. I just want to pray, pray with you. And I would love for you to, to pray with me as, as I just want to lead you in this, in this process. When we walk through what it is that Jesus spells out for us is this. First and foremost, Jesus, I want to pray right now over this whole place. God, I pray that, that, uh, that we bind the evil one right now that would try to convince us to stay in the false safety of offense and hatred. There is a sense of false safety in staying in offense and hatred. And, and the spirit of this world would love to keep us there thinking that we're free or thinking that we're safe. And so Jesus, we just pray your spirit in this place. I pray that you would, you would speak to your people and we bind up the, the, the thoughts of the evil one that would love to counsel us otherwise. And so we speak your Holy Spirit over this place today. And Jesus, for those of us in here, that, that God, we just know that you're identifying someone in our life right now. 
I just want to encourage you to repent for the sin of unforgiveness. Lord Jesus, I repent for the sin of unforgiveness in my life. I repent for it. And I thank you, Jesus, for your incredible mercy given to me. I thank you that you forgave me my $12 million. God, I thank you that you've given that above and beyond what I could ever hope, expect, ask for, or even imagine. Lord, I thank you for that. And Jesus, I pray that you would help me to understand and to get a revelation that you love my offender as much as you love me. Lord, it doesn't make sense to me, but quite honestly, it doesn't make sense to me, your love for me. So God, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And Jesus, today, I release their debt. Look at it. For, for some of you, maybe it's an uncle that owes you your childhood. For some of you, maybe it's a dad who owes you time. For, for, for a business partner, maybe they owe you money. For whatever that is, figure out what they owe you. And in the miracle of forgiveness, we release their debt in Jesus' name. We release it. I release what they owe me. And Jesus, I trust that, that, you, that you have vengeance and you take care of consequences. Those are yours. Those are yours, Lord. And right now, I choose to pray blessing over, over them. I pray blessing over them. I pray that you would, you would have your way in their life. want your best in their life, Lord, whatever that looks like, we pray that. And I commit to praying that until it's from my heart and not just from my head. Lord, thank you for the freedom that you're about to give us. And God, right now, I just pray that as we walk in that, for some of us that just committed to doing that in our own life, God, I pray that they would see immediate freedom in their life in their relationships. I pray in marriages would be restored. I pray that, that old ways and old thought ways and all old thought life would, would be eradicated, that we would move forward in freedom, that, that God, we would see you move mightily in our life. Jesus, I pray that you would move mountains for us. Lord, we thank you for the freedom of forgiveness in this place today. Lord, I thank you that there's something supernatural happening all across this place right now as we choose to walk and to be obedient to that which we don't necessarily understand, but we trust that you've got our best in mind. So Lord, thank you for answering us. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for, for seeking and saving us. Lord, we thank you. I was talking to my wife as we were down here worshiping, and she said, you know, I think that there's a there's a few people missing up here. And for some, maybe it's uh, those that are having a hard time forgiving God for disappointment or just having a hard time forgiving themselves. And so I just want to speak and to pray over, if that's you today, you know, you're like, man, I feel like I got lead feet because it's not necessarily that it's a person that's hurt me. I feel like it's maybe God that hasn't come through when he said that he would. And, or maybe I'm just trying to have a hard time forgiving myself for the, the stuff that I've done. I don't see how God can forgive that. 
I just want to speak over you today. Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would invade the hearts of people today. God, I pray that it would dispel the lies of the enemy that would say that you don't deserve this or you're not good enough or you've already got a label that says that you are this. But Jesus, you, you bring identity and destiny into the lives of your children. So I speak that over each and every single one of us today. As we come under the blood of the Lamb, as we, under salvation, Lord, you, te- you say that we are, we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. And so I speak that. And that label goes above every other label that we give ourselves or society has given us or, or people around us have given, our, given us. I speak that identity over us today. And for those of us who struggle and say, God, I just don't understand. I thought that you were going to do this and it doesn't. Lord Jesus, we, we just ask for that, that you, you would help us to be able to release that forgiveness to you, God, knowing that we don't necessarily understand everything that you do or why things happen, why bad things happen to good people, but we trust you in the midst of it. And so God, I release you. I release that over you so that we can move forward together. Because right now it's a hindrance in my relationship with you, God. And so, Lord, I pray that all hindrances would be removed. That we can walk in freedom the way that you created us to be. That we have not been created to to hold on to offense. To be containers for anger and rage. And so, God, I pray that you would replace it with who you say that we are. That we would choose to walk in trust. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. Bring blessing over your people today. Let us walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.